everyone and thank you for listening in as always. I am Kaylee Batesman, the content director at She Can Code, and today we're going to be discussing imposter syndrome. Now, and ever feel like you don't belong or that you don't deserve that promotion, then you could be facing imposter syndrome. For anyone that doesn't know, it's a psychological occurrence where an individual doubts their skills, talents or accomplishments. It's often accompanied by a persistent internal fear of being exposed as a fraud. My gosh, haven't we all felt like that at some point in our lives and careers? Um, Thankfully, I have the fabulous Emily Patra, Regional VP and Head of Amir Customer Success Strategy and Architecture at MuleSoft with me today to discuss ways in which we can beat imposter syndrome for good. Hello, Emily. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for for joining us today and also to discuss um, a topic that our ladies talk to us a lot about um, and and we've all felt that way at some point um, in our lives. So before we get started uh, with the questions today, um, can I ask you to share a little bit about your background and yourself, please? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Emily Patra. I've been in the tech industry for 20 years now, Uh, so it's been a long journey and I've seen it evolve from when no one was talking about <laughs> diversity in tech or no one cared, you know, what kind of mixes we had in the team. So I think we're in a better place where we're at least talking about it. And, and we are recognizing things like imposter syndrome and how different genders work or how different diverse groups work. Um, saying that, I started my career uh, as a, a techie. I started my career as a software engineer. Then I moved up uh, to be in consulting and enterprise architecture, and I joined Salesforce seven years ago. And after joining Salesforce, actually, I got this fantastic opportunity when we acquired MuleSoft uh, four years ago uh, to lead up and build uh, their EMEA team. By the way, EMEA stands for Europe, Middle East, Africa, because a lot of people ask me what the acronym is. Um, <laughs> so there was there was no team which existed in, in this region. Uh, and I was brought in to, to build a team, and uh, I'm, I'm so glad I took the opportunity. Uh, so right now, we've got a very established team. Um, I am a happy leader uh, with a happy team. Hopefully, <laughs> they will concur. And uh, yes, and I think I've had a massive opportunity to learn and grow through these 20 years. Yeah, that's interesting to say that you started as a techie. Um, and as a software engineer, did, did you know that you always wanted to go into tech? Because I hear all the time from ladies, I fell into tech and then realized how you know wonderful it is in the industry. But it sounds like you had a plan. I did have a plan. Uh, yes. <laughs> so very early, uh, one of, I, I, I call him my equality champion and allies, right? My dad, he introduced me to tech uh, and to computers at that time. And I was just enchanted <laughs> by the whole possibility. <laughs> uh, and I, I enjoyed it so much. I spent my whole summer holidays learning stuff and doing things on my own. So at that point, I knew I wanted to do something with it. And it was good timing because it was an up and coming career at that time. And uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't as widely known, but with a bit of digging, I found the right courses to get into. Uh, so, yes, I did my uh, graduation in computer science and mathematics, and then I went for an MBA. But I specialized on systems, which is uh, the word they use for you know more IT based management. And that's that's how I got into this. Wow! And, and so even with all of that training, and and you knew what you wanted to do, um, 
have you ever felt imposter syndrome? You know, how did you overcome that if you've ever felt that way? Um, you know, have you ever felt like a fraud? All the time, especially when I started. <laughs> and and uh, there's, I mean, there's, there's nothing to be ashamed about it. Uh, think about a 16-year-old uh, who doesn't have any, any friends or uh, any role models who are women to look up to who, who've gone into um, a career in, in tech. Uh, think about a 16, 17 year old who sees only boys around her talk about being nerdy developers and you know uh, write code and, and, and geek out about it, but she's not got a group or peer group to share it with. So it's very natural to feel like an imposter at that point, to feel like I don't belong here. I'm not sure I have the skills uh, to do this. And even when you achieve things, you don't have a lot of support system around you. So when I joined computer science uh, in graduation, I think we were only two women uh, in the whole computer science division <laughs> to be doing this course. Uh, so it was obviously that, you know, you, you don't have a group of your own. Um, you're not exactly relating to people who you know are going to get in the industry with you. And it's been the same for me when I got into this industry 20 years ago. Uh, I was pretty much always the only woman in a team, the only woman in a meeting room, the only woman on a project. Uh, so it's always been like that. So it's very difficult to then know uh, what you're doing right, uh, whether you're getting the opportunities because of the right skill set, are you approaching it the correct way? What are your peers doing? You have no comparative. Uh, because you all, you know one thing that your style differs from the others, uh, but you don't know whether it's right or wrong. So I think, yes, definitely. I've, I've felt imposter syndrome, especially in my early career all the time. Yeah. And I suppose if you've got nobody to relate to as well, you've got nobody that you can confide in at work and just say, you know, I'm feeling this way. Do you, and nine times out of ten, other people are feeling exactly the same way. But if you if you haven't got that somebody that you've made a connection with, um, to to talk over those things, you know, you start having those negative thoughts. And what happens if you don't tackle those negative inner thoughts? The the problem with uh, inner thoughts is they are they are way more powerful than anyone can tell you anything externally, yes. and they impact you a lot more. Uh, because that's the voice in your brain. It's essentially your voice. Uh, and it keeps getting amplified the more you leave it and the more you let it be. And that's that's a problem. Then that can, for most women I have seen, it can result in a downward spiral of low confidence, uh, you know, low self-esteem. Uh, they don't believe in their own skills. They don't believe they can go for the, the promotions. They don't apply for jobs uh, that maybe pay them higher. They don't negotiate for salaries. It has all kinds of impact. And it is all because not someone else is telling them they're not capable, because that will happen. <laughs> but you need your own self-confidence to, to deal with that. You know. But I think our, our biggest enemy is the voice in our head. Uh, and if we don't deal with that early enough and quickly enough, it can result in a long-term damage, which, which actually will end up in the woman. Uh, you know, dealing with or not pursuing a career they want or not progressing the way they would like to, in spite of being capable. Uh, and that's a sad thing. You know, we will essentially not just losing out good talent in the industry, uh, but it's very unfulfilling uh, for the person whose career is, is not taken off the way because they haven't approached opportunities. 
Yeah, and we I agree. We're very hard on ourselves. And I, I remember reading once um, somebody saying, you know, why, why don't you talk to yourself like one of your friends would talk to you or one of your girlfriends would talk to you? Because we never do. And I always feel like that that inner voice never sounds like something I would say to a friend um, when you're offering them support. So, yeah, we are incredibly hard on ourselves. Um, and if we don't share that with people or try to get over those negative thoughts you're right you just won't have the confidence to to try jobs or or once even if you're in the tech industry you won't stay here either which is obviously a problem um for a lot of tech employers um retaining women um as well and how do you know if you've got imposter syndrome so if you constantly find yourself in situations where you're getting appreciated or you're getting promoted or you're getting recognized, but you are playing it down, uh, then you've definitely got imposter syndrome. I've seen this where uh, you say congratulations on an achievement. And I know I'm massively generalizing here, but say to, to your male colleagues, probably eight out of nine of them would say a very confident thank you and maybe even tell you how you got there, you know, how, how he got there. Uh, you, you say the same congratulations to a woman who's achieved and, and she's going to go, oh, no, it's nothing. Oh, I got lucky. Oh, it was teamwork. Yes. You know, there, there's so much of that. And I, I feel we, like we, we also have to learn how to gracefully own the credit we deserve because it does a lot for that inner voice and, and that inner confidence. But also we just have to sometimes understand that stars don't align all the time. There are no coincidence constantly. You know, you don't constantly do well because your team supported you without you having a key role to play. Uh, so giving ourselves the right credit and taking ownership in our head of I had a significant part to play and I absolutely own the achievement is, is a key thing. But you know that you've got imposter syndrome if you constantly find yourself playing down your own achievements and you find yourself thinking, this was luck. You know, I was I was in a good position. There was no one else who was better. I even heard this from, from my team, thought. right? That, that, oh, I got this job because there was no competition. Like there was no one else. I said, no, that's, that's not true. You know, you got this job because you deserved it, because you interviewed for it and others didn't do as well as you. And, and there's no harm in accepting it. Um, so yes, I, I believe every woman should do a do a sense check at that point. If they're at a point where they find themselves saying, this is luck, this is teamwork, this was opportunity which fell on me. <laughs> no, just stop yourself there. You've done something which has led to this and just take ownership of that. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned credit. Do you, do you think as well that's something that we're just used to people stealing our credit and taking credit for work that we've done? And then perhaps when you do get that promotion, you just kind of go, oh, you know, it was the team. We, it was a joint effort because you're just so used to somebody else stepping in and saying, actually, it was them that that got you to that particular particular place. 100%. I think we are very generous with our credit <laughs> and, yes. and we give it away. <laughs> and we give it away very easily. Um, and I don't know why we do that, because I don't see a lot of my male colleagues doing that. Uh, however, with, with women, I, I see this as a constant pattern of, um, you know, saying, uh, no, it, was, it wasn't just me. Or even if someone else steals their credit, they don't go and fight for it. And that's the other thing. Not every woman necessarily gives it away, but not every woman necessarily fights for the right credit either. 
And, and that's also a problem because even if you're not giving it away, but you're not protesting against someone else taking your credit, that is compounding the problem. Uh, that is the compounding the problem for other women as well. Uh, so yes, absolutely, I, I believe uh, we're not very good with credit taking and we have to actively train our minds. Uh, to again, it comes down to self-belief and, and self-confidence that we we did something that got to this point and we deserve the credit for it. Yes. Yeah. And actually that you just talking about um, self-confidence there, it leads me on to, to my next question. I wanted to ask you about social media um, and where, whether that encourages, um, is encouraging imposter syndrome because social media, I mean, it, it, it's sort of black and white, isn't it? It can be very positive, but it can be very negative. So, you know, how, how is that encouraging imposter syndrome? So social media um, is is an interesting phenomenon. I, I grew up without social media and um, I, I got introduced to social media in my teens or, you know. So for me, what I find is I'm happier when I'm off social media. Yes, <laughs> and me the too. I'm, yeah. <laughs> and the reason I'm happy is because uh, social media gives you a, a very positive picture of most people who choose to post on it. But what it doesn't tell you, the struggles, that you know in underpinned those successes yeah. and then you you look at these constant successes and you and you can't help but feeling like some people just have it you know they're just naturally talented or gifted and there's a miracle that is happening which is you know leading to all these successes but what you don't really see is the full picture of how much they have struggled or how much they've had to sacrifice to to get that little moment of uh, you know triumph that they've now posted on social media so it's a great thing to share successes but I also say it it's great to sometimes have very mundane posts about struggles and sacrifices on social media because then it gives some sort of semblance of balance to people and uh, but we don't do that and we don't do that enough because it's uh, I think as, as a society uh, we thrive on successes whereas we're very scared to share failures and and be vulnerable, and that's that's the problem with social media. I find that it's it's very hard to be vulnerable. Yeah, I think as well that um, not only depends on the the um, company that you're in, um, but just also where you're based as as well. And I don't know if that's something you you've experienced yourself, but when I worked for an American company, I found that I was allowed to fail and that it was okay and that I could try something if it went wrong. I remember my boss said, don't cost us any money, um, but, you know, it's okay to try projects um, and just see how they go. And I, I find in the UK, we tend to talk ourselves out of a lot of things because you're absolutely right. It's the fear of failure that we, you know, we just can't talk about. Um, so it does depend on which company you're in um, and obviously the the support that you that you receive yeah it's a culture of the company uh, that defines a lot of this but also I think social media um, and in general it's a culture of well uh, where and where on earth you are you know uh, because different yeah. countries have uh, different social norms and cultures and you would see some cultures who are very extroverted who are constantly on social media uh, you know and and they're they're okay with sharing failures and successes uh, whereas there there are some cultures, and especially I found European cultures, uh, that we we tend to be very reserved. Uh, even with successes, we kind of <laughs> you know yeah. uh, tone it down. We 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 don't go uh, overboard with success and and celebrating success as either. So I think it's very cultural, uh, and the social media that you have obviously 
you're, you're experiencing the culture of of the contacts or the network you have. Uh, so it's a very difficult thing to come out. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting with, with social media as well, because we talked about, um, obviously, you see those successes on, on social media. In the women in tech industry, obviously, we scream a lot about the ladies that work in tech, and we want to push them forward and highlight the wonderful things that they're doing. But obviously, what you just mentioned, obviously, it can have the opposite effect, you know, and, and the lack of women in tech is kind of contributing to those feelings of imposter syndrome. So we kind of scream about the ones that are here, but then that sort of makes you feel like mm, perhaps I'm not succeeding, you know, as fast as these wonderful ladies are. Is that yeah. something you see yourself? I think one positive of a social media is it gives a platform to to showcase the stories, like you said, which ought to be showcased because sometimes especially for underrepresented groups if you if you're not seeing someone like you succeed if you're not seeing someone relatable succeed it's very difficult to imagine yourself on that path i also find social media like platforms like professional platforms like linkedin for example it gives you an opportunity to go connect with people that you admire or you know maybe have a chat to get inspired and and, and get mentored so i i do believe there are the pros of social media but from an imposter syndrome perspective, you're right. Uh, you know, the role models that you're seeing succeed, you can either take it as, this is fantastic, I can do this. Or you could go, oh my God, I could never do this because I don't know how she got where she got to. And, yes. and that's, I think those are the kind of stories of struggle that we need to highlight more. So along with the successes, there's lots of struggle. You know, there were lots of places I'm sure where those successful women have been snubbed, you know, haven't been given the opportunity. They were talked over, they were bullied. And I personally have gone through all of those in my career, but I'm not writing about that. Uh, you yes. know, I'm I'm only saying, okay, this is my next milestone and I've got here, but it's it's great to share the, the struggles that went behind those milestones. Yeah, and, and you're correct in, you know, kind of separate yourself from it as well and that that lady did well um, because that's her story and her journey that's not necessarily yours and it's it's not meant to be your path I remember um attending a lot of women in tech awards um when uh back in the day and I remember always having that feeling at my table that we would go for lunch that afternoon and um everybody at the table would always feel as if it's an afternoon just to reflect on the fact that you've wasted your life so far because you hear about these wonderful women standing up and receiving an award who work for NASA and you know do all these wonderful things and you just sort of come out feeling a bit like you know there's something I I'm supposed to have been doing and it, it wasn't just myself it was you know a lot of us at the table but it was a brilliant afternoon for the ladies that were succeeding and receiving their trophies but it did have the opposite effect on the rest of us having lunch. <laughs> yeah, and you bring a very important point there. Everyone has their own journey, you know, whether it's a woman or man or whoever, you know, every, for, to everyone's success means something different. Uh, yeah. And the important thing is, again, it comes down to self-confidence as you define what success means for you. You define what, what makes you happy because it's not, there's no single path to success. Everybody has gone through different circumstances in life. They have had different different kinds of obstacles in life. Uh, and it's not the same. Someone, I was talking to someone the other day. I met over coffee uh, and we met after a long time. And she basically asked me, 
you do a lot of public speaking. Can you tell me how I can get these opportunities so that I can be successful? And I was like, but that's not the one factor to be successful. You know, I got to public speaking because I was given the opportunities, because I did a few other things before that when I was not public speaking, (laughs) you know, so that the journey looks very different to why I came into this versus why, if you want to go into this, why you will go into it, unless you know why, and unless you know what your journey is going to look like and where you want to go, there's no point following someone else's journey. Yes. And as well, you you had to go down your own path to be able to talk about something when you did get to that point of public speaking. I remember feeling like I'd been pushed into public speaking too early when I was quite you know young in my career. And I would look at these wonderful ladies in tech who were CIO of a company and, and they were doing public speaking. And I, I remember almost being pushed into the spotlight and saying, share your story. And I thought, I haven't I haven't got a story yet. You know, you have to work your way down your path a little bit before you can share that with other people. Yeah, yeah. And and it may not be for you either, right? There are some people who, who absolutely do not think uh, that success and that that is fine. Success may be that they have a balanced life. Success may be that I'm able to get to my children 5.30 every day and, and that is fine as well. But the thing is, it's all about confidence you know, of owning what you want and knowing that I am happy because I have chosen this path. I think the worst thing is when you feel like this is not my path, but I'm walking it because of external pressures or someone else told me to do something. Um, So there's so many moms out there who want to get back to work and then unable to because of circumstances, whereas there are moms who are working who are like, actually, I don't care about working. I would rather be home. And that's fine. Those are two different paths. As long as it's their decision and they're happy to own it, it's perfectly okay. Yeah, yeah, it's their choice. And in terms of those, obviously, that that want to um, make that choice and, for instance, come back to work um, if, if you're a working mum, do you think companies play a role in tackling imposter syndrome? Should they step in and, and identify that you know, perhaps somebody is struggling um, and, and help them in some way? I mean, it's very hard for especially big organizations to do something actively about imposter syndrome. I think every employee goes through it, uh, regardless of gender. Maybe one gender goes through it more uh, than the other. However, I do feel there could be policies and trainings and, and managers particularly play a very important part of it. So if you are a people manager, I believe it is your responsibility to take care of your team because that is the number one job of a people manager. And if you're taking care of your team, you should be able to recognize the different personalities in the team and encourage them to come out more, you know, focus on their own development and their self-confidence. And if every single people manager did it in a company, then yes, the company is tackling imposter syndrome. But the way the company can make it a, a cultural aspect of an organization is by maybe training the leadership uh, to recognize what does this imposter syndrome look like? What can you do as a leader? Uh, have policies which make it easy for people to be vulnerable and to ask for help. Uh, you know, Have mentoring programs so that maybe you're not comfortable talking to your leader, but you're comfortable to talk, uh, talk to some other mentor and, and they can help you. So I think those kind of this is cultural and this has to be coming from within the company, but the people have to lean in to make this culture work. Um, mm-hmm. So an organization can create the environment 
for the culture and then you know empower the people and the leaders to drive this culture forward that's the only way we can tackle imposter syndrome um at a mass scale uh, on an organization it's it's so interesting though to hear you say about finding you know the right person to talk to because you're absolutely right would you want to tell the leader of the company or your manager that actually you're feeling a bit like a fraud it's always you, you know you don't want them to have the thought of well actually should I look into whether or not she can actually do this job uh, you probably wouldn't confide in your leader in that way so absolutely right having that um outlet that is somebody that you can confide in and just talk to and just hear that it's not just you that's feeling that way um, without obviously feeling like you've, you know, endangered your own role. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. giving them a safe environment really to, to discuss and even get help because, uh, you know, a lot of young women feel like that, but when they talk to maybe someone more experienced and just hearing that person say, I've been through the same journey when I was younger and this is how I cope with it. It may not be exactly how you go with it, but it will give you ideas. More importantly, it will give you hope. <laughs> and, yes. it will, and it will make you conscious that this is an imposter syndrome. It's not the true feeling. You know, I can actually deal with this and I can do some self-talk and, and, and help myself. Or I can create a support system around me that can help me. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are running out of time and I have one last question for you. Um, do you have any advice for our listeners to help them overcome feeling like a fraud? Yes. So the one thing is uh, every time you hear your inner voice telling you, you you know, you're not good enough or you didn't deserve it, stop there and, and just maybe take note. Think of something positive. Uh, think of an achievement and then think of what you did to got the end to get there, you know, and and that should make that voice go go down a little bit. The other thing is build a support network. So sometimes it is really difficult to come out of that imposter syndrome on your own, but build your personal boardroom, have friends and family and people you trust and people with credibility who will be honest with you and have them tell you your achievements. Because that helps, you know, sometimes just that validation from someone else helps. And those are the two things. Uh, seek out mentors. If, if you're really feeling that you don't belong somewhere, seek out mentors who can help you with their experiences and be vulnerable. You know, nobody should have to deal with these, these thoughts on their own because sometimes then you lose uh, sight of reality. So speak and be vulnerable. Uh, I think that's that's the key thing. Yeah. Do, do you think it's much harder for younger people nowadays to um, find that network that, that they need? You know, we used to do that physically at events and it was much easier to to turn up and have a drink with somebody and, and have a chat and exchange a business card. But if you're starting work nowadays, that's that's quite difficult to build a network and to hear other people feeling exactly the same way that you are. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel it's definitely more difficult to build a meaningful connections virtually, uh, but that just maybe because of the generation that you you know I come from. <laughs> maybe I'm just not you know a, a social media generation. Um, but it is it is more difficult meeting the person once, uh, you know, face to face. Just I think creates a difference. Then you can go back to being virtual. But it is definitely that body language, you know, the the perception of warmth. Uh, and empathy from the person in front makes all the difference with relationships. Yeah, 
Yeah. I'm, as you can see, I could talk about this all afternoon, Emily, but unfortunately we have run out of time. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today um, and for sharing um, your insights on imposter syndrome. Thank you very much. Thank you. And um, for everybody listening, as always, thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next time.